Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. It's your call for the best college football coverage. From National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between, CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. It's Friday, December 27th uh, in the morning. I, that is Barton Simmons. That's Tom Fernelli. I'm Chip Patterson. We are, uh, I am here. The uh, the Patterson Studios is on the go. We're in Atlanta getting gearing up for the Peach Bowl on Saturday. Uh, Barton and Tom. Gentlemen, how are we feeling with the, uh, the, the bowl season so far? There was, uh, you know, we, we had... Mike Glass taking swipes at pit players, refs catching strays. I mean, I got to tell you, I was I was not anticipating that my uh, drawing the duty of of writing up whatever needed to be written up of the Quick Lane Bowl between Pitt and Eastern Michigan was going to uh, yield such events uh, that that <laughs> certainly needed attention. How how are we doing? James Harden is clearly ruining football refereeing because that was a flop <laughs> by the official. Like was what was he trying to do? Was he trying to draw a foul? What was he doing? Like he, he the brim of his hat got slapped and he fell down. Wait, so are we? Did did he get? Was there no contact at all on flesh flesh to flesh contact? It was all right. So he got hit on the brim of the hat, and I have put myself in the shoes of the official, and he probably figured that if he got low, that might actually be uh, one of his safest places. Like he was going to think it was a, it was a defensive, it was a defensive reaction. That's what I think. He said, these gentlemen have helmets and I do not let us retreat to the lower areas. <laughs> we all have a fight or flight response and I guess we know what it is. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's what I think, Tom. I think it was a defensive uh, flight response. Um, all right. So we've got, we went last show went through December 30th. And uh, so we've still got, you know, the semifinals to go. And now we are going to be picking up with December 31st, the New Year's Eve games, New Year's Day, and take you all the way through the end of the bowl season. Um, We will be back, obviously, with more extensive previewing of the national championship game. And I don't know for the competition if we would score it, but props are fun. So we might pick up some props out there. Um, Barton, you have a... uh, you have a, a point of order. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because we are recording this before and we are posting this, uh, before the Saturday games hit, uh, I guess it's a Saturday game. When does Notre Dame play Iowa state Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I do have one play I'd like to make and add, and I'd like to add a log to the fire here. Uh, I think that's seems to be, uh, doable considering the timing here. Um, have you guys been reading any of like the just reports coming out of Notre Dame camp this week? Brian Kelly thinks that he can uh, recruit at a top five level. Well, I saw that. That's a, di- that's a whole different story, which I think is really interesting and an interesting conversation. Brian Kelly saying that he used to view Notre Dame as a top, as a 10 to 15 recruiting class. And now he thinks they can recruit at a top five level. So that's a whole different podcast. Um, but what I'm really referring to is like this constant underlying theme of the reports coming out of Notre Dame camp that 
these guys aren't really focused. Mm. First it was they first night there, they let them go out and have some fun and be college kids. And, and like Brian Kelly basically said, like they, they were college kids, you know, we let them enjoy it. Now it's time for them to, to show they can be professionals and focus in. And like the reports since have been like continued, continued to maintain the theme of trying to get them focused. We got to do better, not, not satisfied with the effort, whatever. I, I don't, I think Notre Dame could care less about this game. They got an offensive coordinator that's out. They got a 28 year old calling the place for the first time. They got a bunch of guys that are having fun kicking it and wherever they are. Uh, Iowa state is playing big, bad Notre Dame. Iowa state. I don't think is going to have any issue getting focused. So because this is psychology season, I am going to go with Iowa state catching three and a half. I think Iowa state plus three and a half. Does that sound right? Yes. Yep. Three and a half. You'd see if you can get four anywhere. Nope. Three and a half. All right. Well, that's what I want. I so mean, bonus, right. a bonus log. You're keeping the under too. Keeping the under. All right. Oh yeah. Got Gotta love the, uh, the under with that starting point, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The unfocused under feels good. It feels like a good play. Feels like a very good play. Would you, would you even recommend it as a wait, money line sprinkle? Sure. Mm. Yeah. Why not? Nice. Uh, all right, well, let's turn, let's, I, I'm, I'm cool. Tom, you cool with that? Yeah, I'm fine with it. All right. Well, let's add more it. locks means more, um, joy. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that is the age old saying. That is. <laughs> uh, all right. Are you guys ready to lock it up? Yes, sir. We're picking locks. My blue plate special five-star locks are coming since 2005 in Service Academy's Don't get these locks. Five-star master lock. Lock it up. The under is 33-9-1. We've gone over it a million times. You want these locks? I'm, I'm, I'm living and dying every, every point, every cover. Remember, we are going in chronological order for the good people and the listeners. So we are going to start on December 31st. It's the Sun Bowl. You can see it on CBS. Florida State and Arizona State. It is the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. And the Sun Devils find themselves as a four and a half point favorite in the game. Over under of 54. Gentlemen, do we have a play? Well... We'll we'll start with this game, but I should mention there is a game before it. Is it the FCS game? It's the it's the Bilk Bowl. Oh, is it out of order on Vegas Insider? Yeah, it is. Yeah, mm. the numbers are off, but it's one p.m. to eleven a.m., so it's not really a big deal. Okay. But I have a play. Okay, let's hear it. On which one? On both. <laughs> but we'll start with the Sun Bowl. Actually, I I, on both too. I am taking. The under 54. Oh, you know, uh, no. Do, are we using Circa? We can use Circa, right? So you want to get. How, what, is, what do we got? What do you get? That's halfway here or what? Circa's got it at 55. That's a full point. That, that, uh. But it's 54 everywhere else, and I want to. Let's just be- go 54. Yeah, if you're like a, that far off the, the mean, then. Yeah. So under, under 54, Florida State, Arizona State. Uh, I mean, unders are five and two in Arizona State's non-conference games under Herm Edwards, which is nice because, you know, you see it's a team you're not so familiar with. So you kind of 
get what Arizona State's strategy is in those games. But more than anything, this is a wonder, kids. Mm, El Paso. <laughs> Uh-huh. It's it's gonna be windy in the Paso. <laughs> <laughs> Current forecast at Sun Bowl Stadium. Have temperatures. It's gonna game time's gonna be 43 degrees. It's gonna warm up to the like about 50 as the game goes on. But more than important than anything, we've got winds from 13 to 15 miles per hour just a blowing through that bowl coming down the mountains. You could see it behind. It's gonna it's gonna create some breezy conditions. So when I look at the style of play of Arizona State that it likes to play. I wonder how motivated Florida State's going to be for this game. I mean, I think we, I wouldn't be shocked if we saw the Seminoles give kind of like a Miami Hurricane like performance in this game. And then you throw in the weather conditions and man, give me that under. So just a, a weather question, weather, weather question for the, for the syndicate here. This game is we're sitting here on Friday morning. This game is going to be played on Tuesday. Uh, is, is uh, wind forecasts are are pretty accurate five days out? They're always subject to change. Yeah, they're always. I mean, I like the under without the wind, but the okay. wind is just kind of like a final like frosting on the cake. You're going yeah. with more the Herm non-con. That is the principle mm-hmm. that you're building out. Yeah, I, I feel like I don't know how effective Florida State's offense is going to be against his Arizona State defense. I think Arizona State's going to want to do what Arizona State does. And then you bring in the wind and it's just going to, you know, it's a, mwah, a chef's kiss finishing touch. Uh, I've got to play on the side, Barton. Yeah, I got to play on the side as well. Uh, 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 I bet I, I bet we're on the same side here. Is it a little <laughs> Arizona State? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, honestly, like psychology season, like what? Who's going to really want to play in this game more? Who's going to have their team ready to roll? Like Mike Norvell is is going to be auditing this game, I would imagine, from like the 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 press box, um, sitting up there in the in the suite with the AD, uh, and then you got Herm Edwards. Just hey, we got a chance to play Florida State and make its national send a national message here. And yes, there's no you know Benjamin. Yes, there's no Brandon Ayuk, but there is a Jaden Daniels. There is a Jaden Daniels, and. Cam Akers is out too, and Marvin Wilson is out, if I'm not mistaken. And there's a couple like th- this is a a unique situation where we typically we are uh, we're, we're tasked with sort of like deciding what whether or not it matters that a coach isn't coaching in the game, and and typically in bowl season it's because that coach has taken a new job somewhere else. This is a situation where we've got Florida State without their head coach coming off a, a bad season uh, with a bunch of guys off of that bad season team going to the NFL draft and Arizona state is, has a pretty solid season by Arizona state standards. And they've got a couple guys go to the NFL draft, but they're young and those guys going to the NFL draft are, and then like this team is, is bouncing into this game off of a, a year and a, a season where they, and look, they, they had a big upset tail end of the year. Like they're feeling good here. I, I don't have the same level of confidence that Florida state can get this done. There is a little reverse line movement here to be wary of, but 
I'm going to, I'm going to trust in Herm's pregame speech. Yeah. Uh, this has been a really, really young Arizona state team for most of the season. Herm Edwards has been talking about it a lot and it isn't just at the quarterback position. And so, yeah, you jump on Arizona state because of psychology season and understanding that for Arizona state, it feels like it's a continuation or a bridge from one year to the next. And with Florida state, it is certainly the end of another disappointing chapter. And I am also considering, and uh, as, as we continue to sit here and lay out the rest of our locks for bowl season, I can't say it's been a great bowl season for the uh, Atlantic Coast Conference. And just a general, like, fade ACC in 2019 play, uh, obviously without, except for Clemson, which, uh, as you know from the last podcast, I am picking to cover and win against Ohio State. It's, uh, it hadn't been great. I know Pitt won, but Pitt didn't cover, and Miami was awful. And we'll see what happens today as uh, North Carolina and Wake Forest try to reverse that trend. But I am wondering if this might be a, a little bit of an embarrassing postseason uh, for the conference. And so a general, just if, if you're trying to, to, to flip a coin in the air, I might not hate some, uh, some fade ACC plays. And Arizona State, less than a touchdown favorite, feels like it's a game they're going to win. Don't don't try to talk yourself into uh, into a zombie coach, the, a ghost coach. Oh yeah, is this does this count as a ghost <laughs> coach, Martin? <laughs> this is well, well, no. I mean, I think ghost coach is when, when you've left, the, right? The ghost leaves a good situation behind him, right? That would be like taking uh, that's, Memphis. That's why this is like this is uh, what would what would be like a um um like this is like ghost coach is typically a friendly a friendly ghost. This is not a friendly ghost here. <laughs> this is that, a haunting is. spirit. <laughs> uh, can, I, can I share some terrifying trends? Or one terrifying trend for you guys? Yes. Okay, what? Uh, since Herm Edwards took over at Arizona State, they are 2-9 and nine against the spread when favored. I'm going to say... How many, how many times has that been against Florida State? Well, I, <laughs> I will say on, on the plus side in their last 13 games as an underdog, Florida state is three, nine and one against the spread. So we got a battle of some trends right here, kids. This somebody's got to cover, you know, I've never been to El Paso. I'm sure it's a lovely town, but something about the sun bowl every year in, inspires in me. Like the, the idea that this is like, this is there can't be a, a a lot like a lot of reason to be excited about being in El Paso, especially uh, if you're coming from Tallahassee and you know your Christmas break is kind of screwed up here and now you got to spend it in El Paso. I don't know what they do at the bowl. Maybe it's a great experience. Sun Bowl shout out like it, I, it's on CBS. You know, Everybody should definitely watch or stream it on CBSSports.com or the CBS Sports mobile app. I, I, there are two games that come to mind when I think of kind of along the lines of what you're talking about, Barton. One was, I can't, I can't remember exactly what year, but I remember it was Notre Dame in Miami and it was cold and windy and Miami had absolutely no desire to play. Miami that game. never, Miami yeah. never care. Unless it's like a national championship game. Miami doesn't give a yeah. rip. And Notre Dame, it was like Michael Floyd was still on the team. So it was a while ago. So Notre Dame just beat the crap out of him. And then the other USC, memory I have USC, Georgia is, tech. Yeah, Lane Kiffin all bundled <laughs> yes. up on the sideline. <laughs> Paul Johnson just calling the option and running it down USC's yeah. throat two two and a half yards at a time. Wasn't that game like seven to six or something really low scoring too? Something like that, yeah. Like yeah. who's more likely to quit out there? 
like it's Florida State. Yeah, Florida State has so much quit in it. <laughs> like Arizona State will never quit under her. Period. Because because I was thinking that there have been some games that Arizona State because Arizona State's been a little up and down, especially when it gets into the Pac-12 play. Like, was it that they've lost to Washington State? I generally think that Arizona State's a better team than Washington State, but like they also beat Oregon. They've they have been a a, a little bit up and down, but the while that trend is scary, I'm gonna tell myself that that trend of Arizona State as a favorite under Herm Edwards is what's leading to some of this reverse line movement. And look, man, sharps are wrong forty percent of the time. And I think psychology season is where we get our uh, our winners in that forty percent. So let's uh, let's let's ride. All right, we will take it to the Belk Bowl next. It is a noon Eastern time kickoff between Kentucky and Virginia Tech. The Hokies are two and a half point favorites over under of forty six and a half. Uh, Kentucky just after starting two and three, they went on a run with Lynn Bowden as quarterback. He had six one hundred yard rushing games on the season. He had the team had, I think, 400 team total rushing yards last three games of the season, peaking with that over 500 against Louisville. Uh, This is the last time that Bud Foster, the legendary defensive coordinator for Virginia Tech, will be coaching for the Hokies. So anybody got to play? I do. I got to play. All right. Uh, You want to go first or shall I? Uh, How about it? Yours is probably on the total. Yes. And you mentioned 46 and a half chip. I see it at 45 and a half some places and I'm going over Ooh. 45 and a half. It's the Belk bowl, man. The, since coming into existence, the average Belk bowl has featured 64.6 points per game. Now that's skewed a little bit by that, like 55 to 52 game from a couple years ago, but still, these have tended to be, except for last year's 28 to nothing, I think was the final score last year. It was one of those, one of the teams didn't care blowouts. Uh, that was a 28 Virginia, 28 South Carolina zero. And the high scoring yeah. game that you mentioned before that was uh, uh wake forest taking down Texas A&M and uh, An amazing game. That was, and, and I think that was the second largest collection of wake forest alumni in any one place. <laughs> yeah, so those two games kind of cancel out each other, and the rest still feature a whole bunch of points. But even more than that, the over since 2014 in Kentucky non-conference games, 20 and seven. The over in Virginia Tech non-conference games since 2014, 17, 10 and one. The over in Virginia Tech's neutral site games since 2014, five, two and one. This total's too low, man. It's only what forty-five and a half. They're gonna get six touchdowns and a couple of field goals. I know it in my heart. Again, this is me taking an over, and if I'm taking an over, you know it's good. So lock it up. I like it. Um, I'm I'm gonna go on the side. I'm gonna go Kentucky plus two and a half. Is that what we've got lately? Yeah. Uh, Kentucky. Yeah. You can get three. You can get three. Yeah. Get three. All right. All right. Kentucky plus three. Um, and look, uh, full disclosure by my, my, I'm Owen one this bowl season in fading a conference. I, I took, I would three and one week our first bowl week. And my one loss was my Utah state play fading the Mac. Uh, I, so you know, this principle might not be that strong, but I am kind of fading the ACC here. 
I think that Kentucky is, first of all, they're defensively, Kentucky and Virginia Tech are pretty equal in terms of yards per play. Um, kind of a push there. Offensively, Kentucky averages, uh, their average yard per play is about 40 spots higher in the national rankings than Virginia Tech. Uh, this, and it's not as if Virginia tech, like I know Virginia tech has been better with Hendon hooker. Um, but I also think the book is kind of out on Hendon hooker. Now I think that there's been some, uh, you know, we saw Virginia kind of catch up a little bit to that. And I think the Virginia tech offensively is still going to be a little bit, have a hard time with a really stout Kentucky defensive front. Uh, I think Kentucky's offensive line is going to be able to push those guys around a little bit. I just have more faith in how Kentucky got here than how Virginia Tech got here. And the, you know, I worried a little bit about the, hey, win one for the Bud Foster Gipper. But I think that's, that's been played at this point. They kind of, they, they, they played that card already. I don't think that that's, that they got that in their, up their sleeve at this point anymore. So I like Kentucky. And, and I think the wrong team is favored here. Like I was surprised to see Virginia Tech favored. Yeah, I agree. So I'll take Kentucky plus three. I'm not going to lock it up, but I do think you're right. That's that is the pick that I have in our our expert picks, and I'm currently working on the uh, the bowl preview post for it on CBSSports.com. And as I'm digging into it, it just kind of feels like uh, like Kentucky's got. I mean, this is just it's been a good seat like last year was supposed to be the banner year they finished uh, number 12 in the country they get a bowl win and they'll lose a bunch of players to the nfl this was supposed to be uh, a drop-off rebuilding year and when you're able to rally back from a couple early losses overcome some injuries i just i guess both these teams have done that but i i do like where kentucky's at right now i will not lock it up though my lean uh would be with you barton kentucky plus the points yeah, I've, I've had a long-held philosophy in bowl games that when it's like been mid-tier SEC games versus mid-tier Big Ten teams, I always take the SEC team. And I feel like that principle can probably apply to the ACC this year as well. Uh, hold, that, hold that thought. I've got one later in the show. They want to they have a word with you about. Okay. Mm, all right. The, uh, we've already got the Sun Bowl. So now we are moving to Kansas State and Navy. The... Uh, middies are favored by two and a half over under a 52 and a half. Um, I got a play. Let me get the fight ready. I have a play. Uh, are we fighting on sides? I don't know. What side are you on? Uh, the service academies that are 12 and five against the spread since 2010 in bowl games. Put up your Dukes. Fight, fight, fight. Fight. So I got Navy and you've got Kansas State. Barton, you got to play on this? Uh, I was toying with the total, but uh, I got nothing right now. So we'll see what happens. Okay. We'll see what you guys convince me of. Tom? All right. Well, I'm taking Kansas State plus two and a half because I'm smart and wonderful. And Kansas State. <clears throat> This year, as an underdog, six and two against the spread, and that's not a new trend because since 2014, Kansas State is 27 and 16 against the spread when it is an underdog, and it's also three and zero against the spread this year, and it's not conference games. Navy, meanwhile, service academies have done well in bowl games, yes, but Navy 
Its last 14 times facing a team with a winning record, 4-9-1 against the spread. Last five times playing at a neutral site, 1-3-1 against the spread. I think this is going to be a kind of low scoring, you know, kind of like two option offenses in a way, although Kansas State doesn't actually run an option. It just feels like it runs an option because it runs the ball so frequently. But this is going to be a lower scoring game defensively. But I think that Kansas State on offense has a little too much for that Navy defense, whereas I think defensively Kansas State will be able to slow down that Navy attack often enough that I really like, I'm taking the points, but I also like Kansas state on the money line, a little bit of a sprinkle, because I think there's a very good chance that the wildcats win this game straight up. I mean, if you're taking whoever you're taking uh, at, at a line like this, you got to think, especially in a bowl game that they're going to have a chance uh, to win. And when Kansas state opened as a favorite, is that Kansas state opening as like a, a, a very uh, like circa number, a little more loose. Why do we have that? no, they they opened it like two minus two pretty much across the board, and then it just swung the other way. Yeah, there was some heavy early action on Navy that swung it. Sweet, me and Joe Public or early guy early action. Uh, and I think if it's early action on bowls, it's not Joe Public. Okay. I, th- I mean, I think Malcolm Perry greater than Skylar Thompson. I think Navy's pretty good. I was a little bit late to the boat just because it seemed as though they had fallen. Uh, they'd fallen back, you know, pretty significantly last season. And so (laughs) late to the boat. Uh, So as (laughs) like this season, I just, I'm maybe making up for lost time, but I, I think Navy's a a very good football team. And so with that, the, with that plus the service Academy's trend. And I mean, let's be honest. I mean, can Chris Kleiman even coach if it's not a, a full playoff format? Does he even know what to do <laughs> at a neutral site postseason game that isn't on one team's home field? I mean, I know he's won national championships and all, but this is a bowl game. Step your game up. JK. Yeah, he's he's got like a swag bag and he has absolutely no idea what he's supposed to do with it. <laughs> he got a Bluetooth speaker and he threw it out the window because he thought it was spying. <laughs> uh, all right. Then we've got at 430 on. Hey, wh- why should I not play under 52 and a half? Man, you should play under. It's a good, it's a smart you sh- play. You should. All right. I'm going to play it then. <laughs> <laughs> under 52 and a half. Like no explanation necessary. No, these are two teams that run the ball a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I just said I was, I mean, that just seems like a high number. Mm-hmm. I don't think and I, Kansas state's been under that number all year long. And Navy is has gotten in some AAC shootouts, but I don't think Kansas State is going to be inclined to get in that kind of a game. So I'll I'll, I'll take the under. Four thirty on New Year's Eve, we've got Wyoming and Georgia State. Uh, Georgia State a seven point favorite in the contest, over under of forty eight and a half. As we're looking at it, um, let's see one one more time. Even though it's not where it's going to be, let's just. It's going to be windy in Laramie. Just for the people out there. Uh, anybody got a play on it? No. Nah. Pass. That. <laughs> I thought I started doing some digging on this, doing a little bit of research, and then I just was like, what, what am I even doing? This is not me. It's <laughs> not what I do. Let Tom play this if he wants to. I just – I. I, my initial inkling was to go Wyoming, but I also fear that, you know, Dan Ellington is kind of a wild card where 
maybe he plays horribly and Wyoming covers easily, or maybe he just proves to be a giant pain in the butt for Wyoming and Georgia state wins. So I'm just going to stay away. Yeah, that is, uh, you can watch that game. It's going to be pretty awesome. It's the, uh, the Nova home loans, Arizona bowl, and you can see it on CBS sports network and stream it on CBS sports.com or through the CBS sports mobile app. All you need to do is log in through your cable provider. That is on December 31st, new year's Eve, 4 30 PM Eastern time. Our nightcap on uh, on New Year's Eve is going to be Utah going up against Texas. Congratulations to Kyle Whittingham, who was just named the Bobby Dodd Coach of the Year, uh, which was a little strange since it was announced right next to Ed Ogeron, who won all the other Coaches of the Year awards. <laughs> but uh, congrats to Kyle. That's true. He, uh, he did a good job getting that team to a second straight Pac-12 championship game. So the Utes entered this. Well, that award has an academic element to it. Ah, they did mention so. the APR and uh, graduation yeah. rates in the uh, the lead up to announcing his name. So yeah. uh, there you go. Thank you, Barton. Perhaps. Yeah, you can yeah. always always count on Barton to uh, to keep us honest when it comes to academics. You can. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. You can Ivy uh, Leaguer ac- academic oversight over here. I am not reliable at all for academic oversight. Nope. Nope. Just being a fake class graduating UNC student. (laughs) Uh, Texas finds itself as a seven-point underdog in this game. Uh, When we're talking about the – this is it feels like a a psychology season game because I look at the psychology season part of it, and I think that it is too easy easy to call. And I, I would wonder if, um, if y'all are with me because I'm, I'm locking up Utah and it is not only the, the psychology season angle, but just the fact that I kind of think that the, there is uh, a, a want to erase the Pac-12 championship game performance. I think the general fiber of this uh, Kyle Whittingham Utah program, you can count on them to bring uh, a, a certain level of investment and when we've got like changing out offensive and defensive coordinators, those are negative marks for the Longhorns. Like, is 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 that too easy? This seems like too much of a no-brainer at seven. I'll be locking up the Utes. Curious to hear what y'all got to say. I was wrestling with psychology season on this one and trying to figure out where the psychology lies because I agree with you, and then I do wonder. Look, because there also is the element of Utah was a game away from being in the college football playoffs, and then they lost, and now they're in. This game, what, what bowl are we calling this? The Al, it's the Alamo Bowl. Yeah, Alamo oh, it's bowl. Alamo Bowl. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually going to be in, in San Antonio during this game. Um, and so, you know, I, I, is but I do think that that is sort of covered and taken care of by the fact that they play Texas, which is a brand program, and so they get a chance to to go and beat Texas, even though it's not the best version of Texas. But I, I did have a hard, I really had a hard time with this one. You know, I, I kind of penciled down Utah minus seven, but ultimately I found myself more comfortable playing the over actually. Mm. Uh, because Jalen Johnson is, is heading the NFL. He's skipping the game. Julian Blackman is out, I believe with injury. We, you know, the Texas's defense isn't any more, healthy, generally speaking, that has been all year long. I mean, it's still kind of banged up defensive coordinators out, uh, 
Uh, I, I could see, you know, last game of the year. Hey, Texas. Fast track, too. Alamo fast done. track. Like, I think Colin Johnson's back. Um, you know, t- I could see Texas just sort of Tom Herman just saying, let's just you know, screw it. Let's just, let's just try to score as many points as we can. Let's just throw bombs. Let's just and, – and, and I could see Utah running through Texas a good bit as well. So I'm, I'm going to go over 55 – I think that's the number and uh, yeah, 55 think I can get 54 and a half. It looks like it. Mm, uh, yeah. There's a 54 and a half out there. It was right, so I'm going to go. I'm going to go over 54 and a half. Well, we have a lock agreement, but with who am I agreeing with Barton and the over? Who or is it with the Utes? Oh man. I'm taking the Utes minus seven. Yeah. Listen, man, we, we know Whit, this is Kyle Whittingham. We don't have to worry about a Utah team being pumped up. Kyle Whittingham at Utah, 11 and two straight up in bowl games, nine and four against the spread in bowl games. Utah, that's a funny number because Utah this year in all games is nine and four against the spread. And it was favored in all 13 of them. Texas, meanwhile, played four ranked teams this year, went one and three against the spread in those games. And then that Tom Herman is an underdog trend. That's dead. Texas two and three is an underdog this year against the spread. Utah is going to roll the Longhorns in the Alamo. In yes, this is this is one of those games that I'm gonna look back on afterwards and say, obviously, obviously that was what would have happened. Utah's either gonna roll them or Texas is gonna like have their best performance of the year. And I'm going to think back and I'm going to be like, it's, it's psychology season. How did I not see that mental angle? Um, so I'll be rooting for Utah for you guys. The, uh, if Texas does win this game, it's the second straight year that they are going to throw an aerosol can into the hype campfire by beating a team <laughs> that is yes. mad and didn't make it the playoff. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Sam Ellinger gets right back to saying Texas is back after they That's get, right. get a top. He should just, just, run it. Just, <laughs> just run it back. Just run the we're back chant again and just 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 own it. Uh, coming up on the other side, we will take you into 2020 with our locks for New Year's Day and the games that follow next As one door closes, another opens. The 2020 fantasy baseball season is over, but 2021 prep is just beginning. Join Scott White and me, Frank Stample, on Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, as we take an early look at position previews, review mock drafts, and react in real time to the MLB hot stove. Not only that, we'll be welcoming in some of the best guests in the industry to try and figure out what was real and what wasn't from the abbreviated 60-game season. Listen Tuesdays and Thursdays on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else podcasts are found. Welcome to the Nothing Personal with David Sampson podcast. Do me a favor and blink, please. Did you blink? That's how fast the Major League Baseball season went in 2020. The postseason is already upon us. Whether it's baseball news, you on NFL, college football, water polo, chess, movies... If there's a story, we'll have it covered every weekday, five days a week. Just subscribe and download on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, or wherever else you find your podcasts. 
No BS. No soft tosses. No hot takes. You know, it's always business. It's nothing personal. So we've sung Auld Lang Syne, and uh, we are ro- getting the crust out of our eyes. It's 1 p.m. Eastern time, and we're settling down for uh, a pair of afternoon tilts between the SEC and the Big Ten. We're going to start in Tampa at the Outback Bowl, Auburn and Minnesota. Auburn, a touchdown favorite, over under at 53 and a half. Whew. Uh, I don't have a play in this game. I do. <clears throat> oh, is it, is it? Let me go ahead, please. Well, I will be certainly rubbing the crust out of my eyes because at 630 a.m. on New Year's Day is when my beloved Aston Villa will be playing a match. So I'll be up at 630 on New Year's Day. Uh, but for this game, which is four and a half hours after that, I am taking the under 53 and a half. I know I mentioned earlier about my mid-tier SEC and mid-tier Big Ten teams. I was leaning that way with Auburn, but I feel like the under is the smarter play because I'm about to throw some trends at you boys. <clears throat> Last 10 neutral site games for Auburn. The under is 7-1-2. and two. Last 26 non-conference games for Auburn. The under is 18-6-2. and two. Last 36 games against a winning team. The under in Auburn's is 24-11-1. Auburn's last six bowls. The under is four, one and one Auburn against ranked teams since 2014. The under is 25, 10 and one Minnesota's non-conference games. The last 19, the under is 13 and six Minnesota's last nine against a winning team. The under is seven and two. Do you notice a theme? Sounds like under is a good pick according to the trends. I'm going to take the under Barton. Yep. I have no play though. What do you got? An under 53 Tom? Uh, 53 and a half. Three and a half. Um, I have no play. I, I, when I, my, what I penciled down was Auburn because it just feels like a, you know, it's kind of a feel good season. This was, this, I think they come into the bowl season energized and, uh, they beat Alabama. Confident. They feel beat great. Alabama. Yeah. You know, Derek Brown's playing. I mean, they just this 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 is just a team that feels like it's got pretty good mojo. Um, and yet, that said, I'm I'm not confident in this one because I I've never really had felt like I could trust Auburn's offense, and Minnesota is certainly going to want to. You know, this is a big game for them too. So I, I I don't have a good feel for it. I lean Auburn, but I'm not playing it. So I'm out. And Minnesota did just lose its offensive coordinator. They did. So did Auburn, but that's going to be less. less Now Gus is still there. So (laughs) yeah. Auburn unders. Good offense. Yeah. Auburn unders were pretty good this year because they've got a great defense and they only have three plays. They've got like a super (laughs) Nintendo video game playbook. And one of them's the trick play. Hopefully that Tecmo (laughs) bowl offense. (laughs) Yeah. Putt putt offense gimmicky. Uh, all right, Michigan and Alabama, Camping World Stadium. This is the Citrus Bowl, also 1 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. It's got, I mean, these are, this is the one that's going to have a lot of uh, just sort of common eyes. Like, this is just going to be the, the game that even if you, if you only watch maybe five college football games a year outside of your favorite team or maybe, you know, your conference that your favorite team plays in this is absolutely going to be one of them so i 
I want to have uh, a piece of this, so I do have a play. And I'm curious to see, does anybody else want to get in on Saban versus Harbaugh? Me, me, me. Uh, all right, I'll let you take the floor. All right. <clears throat> well, obviously, like, it, this is a game where... So I'm looking at this. I'm looking at the like the schedule, the bowl season schedule or whatever. And I'm looking at Alabama, Michigan, Michigan, 14, Alabama, 13 in the rankings. I mean, those that the one spot apart in those rankings is, is a total Canyon of a difference. Uh, Alabama lost to LSU in a wild game in which it was, you know, had a really had a chance to win. Uh, they lost to Auburn on the road in a classic iron bowl where it took two pick sixes to lose it. Uh, Michigan gets stomped by Wisconsin gets beat by Penn state and gets stomped by Ohio state. Like that it's not comparable. And so the question is how motivated is Alabama going to be? And I think part of the reason why I, I have some, some faith in Alabama being motivated. One is look at the NFL guys. Yes. Um, Terrell Lewis said into the NFL, don't blame him though. He's been, he's had been battling injuries his whole career. Uh, why risk it? Trevon Diggs is heading out. Uh, I, th- uh, I think that's it. Is that it? Basically off the top of it, my head. I want to say maybe Xavier McKinney. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, he might also be sitting out, but, but uh, all, Jerry all Judy, of the receivers are yeah, playing. Right, right, right. Both, but both of the offensive tackles are playing. Um, I mean, the defense is still going to be not, not the best version of an Alabama defense, but it's, it's, but it's, it's not playing Michigan. Be, it is not yeah. playing LSU. It's playing right. Michigan. And so I, as, as I look at that, I mean, look, I honestly, there, there's, and again, that's a the play in Michigan is, is a positive in a, in a number of ways. One is Michigan's offense has not been the most potent throughout the year. And granted it, it started to, to catch traction late in the year, but um, I'm like you, kind of what you're alluding to. Like I'm not, if, if your defense is a little bit less than I think facing Michigan's offense, isn't like the most troubling thing in the world. Um, but like, I feel like if Alabama was playing, let's just say Minnesota, or Baylor or I don't know, uh, Virginia or so, you know, then I'd suddenly, I'd be worried about Alabama covering because those teams are not moving the needle for the guys in that Alabama locker room. Like they're like, man, we, we should be playing for a national title. And now we got to play these guys. No, like I think that with Michigan on the docket and hail to the victors and Jim Harbaugh and, Josh Gaddis, yeah. former assistant coach, yeah. and all these different elements that make you perk up a little bit when you're watching the film. I think Alabama is is prepared for this. So uh, my initial snap judgment inclination was to play Michigan catching the points. But as I really looked at this, I, I, I'd be really surprised if we look up at the end of the day and, and Alabama hadn't won by at least two touchdowns. Uh, the Josh Gaddis revenge factor for Nick Saban who wasn't all that happy with the way that Harbaugh came in and stole Gaddis in the middle of the night. I could see a lot of extra 
saving time, putting in work, trying to get the defense. No matter who's out there, he's going to try to get them ready for whatever uh, Gaddis has. I, uh, I too, am going to be locking up the Crimson Tide. And, uh, and we point to the Sugar Bowl against Oklahoma where Trevor Knight went off and, you know, the Alabama players were just you know, upset that they weren't going to be in the, the BCS national championship game. So everyone questioned their motivation. I think that for this scenario, we've got to take it back further to, I think, 2010. And that Alabama team absolutely dismantled Michigan State. And I think that we are going to get a result that's closer to that than the Oklahoma upset of Alabama. I am uh, I this we, we do psychology season. Well, I'm, I'm going to go to uh, I'm going to go to the building that's across the quad because I think this game is about physics and <laughs> one team is stronger and faster force mass acceleration roll tide. Uh, I wish you both luck. Oh, no play. No, no play for me. You just you you teased this whole SEC Big Ten thing. I said mid tier. Okay. Yeah, that was true. True. Same, these ain't mid tier. <laughs> these are blue bloods. Okay, and I will add uh, to your point about thirteen and fourteen. Alabama's thirteen is misleading because Alabama ain't, ain't the thirteenth best team in the country. Michigan, no. it might be. Michigan's fourteen is appropriate. Alabama's 13 is absolutely not. That's just, it's insane. Like it's insane to see like that. That's like, it's kind of ridiculous. They've got on the side of the college football hall of fame, like there's a massive video board. And one of the screens that pops up on the rotation is the current college football playoff rankings. And so as we're sitting there in Centennial park, waiting for our CBS sports HQ hits, it keeps popping up. And I just, I can't stop seeing it and be like, that's dumb. That is, that, that is, uh, that is, that is inappropriate not appropriate ranking. We go to one of the new year's six games where we uh, just real quick. I just, I'm just thinking of this in real time. Like what, if there was something on the line here, if they, if Alabama was playing Michigan in the regular season right now, week 12, just hypothetically, and Alabama was still in the playoff hunt is would the line really be seven, 13 and a half at least. Right. I just think this line's surprising. All right. If it is Tua healthy, because if Tua is healthy, it might be fourteen and a half or closer no, to seventeen. No, we're playing the, we're, we're we're playing this with Tua out. Okay. Yeah, thirteen and a half. Now to the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl, uh, five p.m. Eastern time kickoff. Oregon coming in against Wisconsin. It's a top ten battle. The Pac-12 champ, the, Pac- the Big Ten runner-up. Wisconsin finds itself as a three-point favorite over under a fifty-one and a half. Uh, Tom, you got a play? I do. Barton, do you have a play? Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to play this. Ooh, okay. Let me, let me, let me just let my, let my finger hover over the soundboard for a little bit. Tom, (laughs) you can go first. I'm taking Oregon plus two and a half. Uh, I just, you know, you mentioned this is the PAC 12 champion versus the big 10 runner up. And we talked about it with Utah in that Texas game. Utah was one game away from being in the playoff and the team that kept them from the playoff was Oregon. And we can make the same argument that Oregon was one game away from being in the playoff. Cause if they not fallen asleep in that Arizona state game, 
This is a team that's probably the number four seed. It's a team that is very, very good. And this is a Wisconsin team that has shown it got fired up for that Ohio state game, the big 10 championship, but it's also the team that lost to Illinois. And we have seen that Wisconsin teams with defenses capable of taking Jonathan Taylor out of the equation beat Wisconsin. Jonathan Taylor found success early in that Ohio State game. Wisconsin was winning. Ohio State's defense went back to doing what it had been doing, shut down Jonathan Taylor. Wisconsin didn't do anything against it for the rest of the game. And I think this Oregon defense is going to be able to do the same thing. I think this Oregon pass rush is going to make life hell for Jack Cohn. And I think that this Oregon offense will be a problem for Wisconsin's defense, which is still very good. But I do think that Oregon's offensive line will be able to neutralize some of what Wisconsin's pass rush has been able to do this season. Plus some trends, Wisconsin just not great in these January big kind of bowl games. They are one in four against the spread the last five times they've played in a major bowl game. And they're just zero and five against the spread the last five times they've played anywhere at a neutral site at any time of year. And I think that with the ducks, you know, I'm, I'm always a little worried about Mario Cristobal when he's favored as an underdog. I kind of like Cristobal in that role because I think that there's going to be a little bit of what the hell are we the underdog for kind of factor in that locker room. They don't think we can beat this team. We literally just beat Utah and won the Pac-12. So I, I like the Ducks a lot here. Wow. Yeah, I think the wrong team is favored. I think this is a coin flip game. I could definitely see Wisconsin winning. I think that Oregon is going to win. That's my prediction, and you're going to give me some points. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take every single one of those points. I think this Oregon football team is really good. It's like coming back to the 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 starting point with Navy, where I think I think Wisconsin is really really solid, but I think Oregon can be not really solid. Oregon can be really good, and I you mentioned uh, Oregon's offensive line and, and the way that they can match the physicality of Wisconsin. I mean, Wisconsin sort of prides itself on being that. Uh, that physical team that's going to bring the fight to the game. And I just, I think Oregon's not going to back down from it. It's not going to be the, the, the type of opponent that wants to shout out to Gary Danielson. He always loves talking about finesse, trying to finesse you. Well, the Oregon doesn't finesse you. Oregon, uh, Oregon wants to put on appetite for destruction really, really loud. Uh, have Mario Cristobal screaming in your face, telling you that you're going to die. And uh, cause you're in the jungle, baby. <laughs> And I just, yeah, give me the ducks in a street fight. Uh, wow. <clears throat> All right. Uh, let's, let's have a little two on one fight boys. Ooh, Ooh, nice. Fight, 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 fight. Listen, I, I appreciate Mario Cristobal's love of guns and roses and all things metal and intensity and yet, sometimes uh, you just got to put on a little Phil Vassar and just let the kind of let it flow. Just sort of, hey, just take it easy a little bit. Step into bowl season. Be a little loose. Be a little, uh, you know, let let your let your brain take over. And that's Paul Christ. Uh, and Paul Christ hasn't lost a bowl game since 2012. Uh, he is. I think going to come into this game with a coaching advantage, uh, you know, there is some coordinator issues going on at Oregon right now as, um, uh, what's our boy's name? Who just took the UNLV job. Arroyo. Uh, Marcus, Marcus Arroyo. Arroyo just took the UNLV gig. Uh, I think part of the, 
like when you look at Wisconsin and you like the issues that they might come up against offensively, it's when, like Tom said, they, they can't sort of get the run game going and stay on schedule to where Jack Cohn can be a compliment to the offense instead of a, a central figure. And I think that was, while well, Hey, I, I respect Oregon's defense. I think that they can, that this Wisconsin team will be able to keep Oregon off balance enough. I think they can, they can stay on schedule against this Oregon defense. And, uh, I, I think that this Wisconsin team has been more consistent and trustworthy to me this year than this Oregon team. And so I'm, and I, I've got it two and a half points. I see it in several places at two and a half. So I'm going to take Wisconsin minus two and a half. Uh, and I'll, uh, I'll fight you guys. Uh, so you're talking about like just another day in paradise, Phil Vassar. Hey, listen, that's who, uh, Paul Christ said was his favorite band to Breck McMurphy and the coaches, uh, poll. And so just another day in paradise, <laughs> just another day in paradise, man. Respect. Like he's like, he's got no, you know, Miami came in with the turnover chain and they're all jet gassed up. And Paul Chris just out there, just rocking his Phil Vassar just another day in paradise. <laughs> and he's just out there just scheming it up. And I think this is, he's got a lot of time to prep for this Oregon team. I think they're going to have some things figured out him and Jim Leonard, Jim Leonard, probably listening to Kenny Chesney in his office. Everyone's just chilling, man, having a good time, bare feet, walking around with straw hats on, just chilling, loving it. Taking I'm it. just, I'm just happy that first of all, we've got one of the rare lock agreement fights that doesn't happen often. And that we all have action on the Rose Bowl because the Rose Bowl is my favoriteest game in the world. Yeah, you kind of got to. Yep. I I don't even know how to do the uh, the uh, the color code for this on the spreadsheet, but I'll figure it out. Just do <laughs> us in orange and you in red. Got it. All on the same line. The nightcap on January first is going to be the Sugar Bowl down in uh, Mercedes Benz Superdome in New Orleans. We got Georgia going up against Baylor, and the Bulldogs are six point favorites a um just absolute dandy of an over under at 41 and a half uh gentlemen anybody got to play yeah hell yeah baylor yeah yeah <laughs> i mean this is like a psychology season layup now look this is a, obviously baylor could go get absolutely blown out in this game and it wouldn't shock me but if we're sticking to the principles of psychology season, you have to play this game. You have to, and there's, you're going to lose some when you, when you just stick to your principles like this. But I mean, Georgia doesn't care about beating Baylor and Georgia has Andrew Thomas out, Isaiah Wilson out, Ben Cleveland out this massive offensive line. That's been the, 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 absolute driving force of this offense is basically reworked for this game. Their, their offensive line coach is gone. DeAndre Swift may or may not be full speed. Uh, you know, he's got first round NFL draft aspirations. I don't know, you know, how in, in, engaged and invested he's going to be in this game. Uh, but ba- Baylor, this is Baylor's opportunity to pull the Texas from last year. 
you know, hey, maybe Georgia learns from last year and can show up and, and get it done. But there, this is going to be a very real talking point of Georgia didn't care. Uh, and so I'm going to play the Baylor on, on that. Tom? I'm staying away from this one. See, I, think, I, knew, I, I knew what you were thinking I was going to do, though. Uh, take the under 41 and yeah. a half. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to take the under 41 and a half because we're playing uh, in the dome fast track. I've been, I've been really into, I didn't spend much time talking uh, field surface during the regular season, but I think I've decided this, this bowl season I'm, I'm looking at it and, uh, and, and starting to think, think along those lines. I'm going to, uh, yeah, I'm going to stay away. Cause I think six is a little too low. I wonder if this number already has all of last year and psychology season built into it, because I think that if we got this at like a Georgia, Georgia, Georgia nine and a half or Georgia 10, I would be much more enthusiastic, but six, man, that's, that's, that's a, that's a sweat for sure. I mean, the, the, my part of my, like, I didn't even talk about the idea, the fact that I actually do think Baylor is a good team. No, I don't think they're, uh, I don't think they're a force. I don't think there's some juggernaut where if you get in their way, you're going to get steamrolled, but I think they're really well coached. I think they have ways they can beat, move the ball and beat you. And, and I think that they are going to have a really good game plan. They're going to be really motivated in this game. And so, you know, I, I, I think that they're going to be capable of playing close and maybe even winning. Do you think that Baylor is a coaching advantage? has a coaching advantage over Georgia uh, on, on field game day. Yeah. I'd take Matt rule. I think I would too. I, I, at the same time, hate the oversimplification of, all right, so tell us who's got the coaching edge in this matchup just because there are so many factors that go into uh, the coaching preparation, communication with your players, motivation, X's and O's game planning, you know, Mike Loxley and Josh Gaddis will tell you the play. You know, it happens with all the coaches all through the week for the game planning. It's not just the play calling, but uh, but to oversimplify it, if you're asking me, do I want Matt Rule or Kirby Smart in a in a big game like this? I enthusiastically uh, take Matt Rule. So I, I don't hate your pick at all. In fact, you know, if you want a money line, sprinkle that. You probably get some what plus two hundred value, maybe. Oh, yeah. uh, let's see. We can get, yeah, plus two hundred. Yeah, I would. I would. I think that I would like to take that. Uh, if anything. All right. Moving on to January second, we got the Ticket Smarter Birmingham Bowl out at Legion Field in Birmingham. Cincinnati's a seven-point favorite going up against Boston College. Ah, this is a uh, this is a football game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Boston College motivation is questionable, and we don't really have a quarterback because he's going to be transferring out. And this team has th- this program made a ch- the school made a change with the program because the program felt like it was drafting off of uh, last year. It didn't really feel like we were building up towards anything with the Eagles. Cincinnati is you know has had a, a strong season. You go double digit wins. I think 
in back-to-back seasons for the first time since Brian Kelly was around. Luke Fickle's done a good job. We know that we expect that they'll be pretty strong defensively, but Boston College is such a wild card. I think I'm going to leave this one on the table. Yeah, this is the second unfriendly ghost coach of the bowl season uh, with Steve Adazio being fired, BC heading to a bowl. I'm not sure how to handle the unfriendly ghost coaches, uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay away from this as well. Yeah, I don't want anything to do with this game. I am excited about the game that will follow it. It is one of my favorite matchups of the bowl season. It's going to be the Gator Bowl. We've got Indiana and Tennessee. Tennessee, a one-and-a-half-point favorite, over-under set at 52. I I think both of these teams, both of these programs, both of these coaches are very excited to be here and very excited to test themselves against uh, a squad that is going to operate from – you know, somewhat similar placement. Indiana eight and four on the season. Not a Big Ten title contender, but you know, sat there and, and held their own against some of the best teams in the conference and beat up on the worst teams. Tennessee, same thing, right there in that Alabama game before Jarrett Garantano's turnover, and then uh, a strong finish to the season after we thought Jeremy Pruitt was dead in the water after the Georgia State loss. So two teams that should be very motivated to be here two teams that occupy some some of the same space in their conference i love uh this game i think it's gonna be a good game and uh, i've got a lock does anybody else i have a lock barton i have a lock who, who wants to go first uh, well tom why don't you take your uh, middling sec versus middling <laughs> big 10 there we go this this is the principal game this is when you take Tennessee against Indiana. Chip, you mentioned that Indiana went eight and four, and that's all great. And you mentioned that they beat up on the big bottom of the Big Ten, and that is one million percent true. Here are the teams that Indiana beat this year: Ball State, Eastern Illinois, UConn, Rutgers, <laughs> Maryland, Nebraska, Northwestern, and Purdue. I would say that the best win is either. Nebraska Purdue? or Purdue both were on the <laughs> yes. road. So, you know, but, and they did, they hung for the most part with the best of the conference. I mean, they didn't hang with Ohio state. They lost 51 to 10, but they hung with Penn state. They hung on the road at mighty Michigan state. They hung with Penn state and they got blown out by 25 by Michigan, but they hung around for a little bit in that game. It's just, this is a Tennessee team that I feel like has, I've been on it for the last, you know, last month or whatever the season, this is a Tennessee team that really improved as the year went along. In fact, they're six and one against the spread in their last seven. And then they're also four and against the spread in their last four against the big 10. And I just look at this matchup and I look at the talent level of both of these teams. And I just say, man, Tennessee's got a little too much for the Hoosiers who I've are a great story. I'm thrilled that they had their great season. They're eight and four. But, man, they're not winning this game. Nothing in the history of these games between Big Ten and SEC middling opponents suggests that Indiana is going to win this game. Give me the Vols minus one and a half. Chip, are you uh, you on that side? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Another two-on-one? Give me another two-on-one. Oh, bring it on. Bring it all on, guys. Look, hey, congratulations, you two, on being on Tennessee. So is everyone else in America. (laughs) Like, you're real smart. Like, everyone's on Tennessee. As if, like, Tennessee has become some juggernaut that can just roll through Indiana. 
no, this is not what this is. Like Tennessee has had a nice season. And look, I've I've been on Tennessee as much as anybody. I've been I've been preaching not to give up on them early in the year when I thought they had a chance to be good. I think that they've been impressive beating some teams late in the season. But it's not like Tennessee's like beat a bunch of like juggernauts either. I mean, what's their best win? Mississippi State and South Carolina. Uh, you know, Mississippi State and Kentucky, I guess. You know, this is still a team that is young in the progression. This is, I think, getting to a bowl game was a big win for Tennessee. Indiana has been quietly this really good quality football team that hasn't really been getting a lot of attention. And Kalen DeBoer, the reason he got that Fresno State head coaching job, their offensive coordinator, is because of what he did offensively this year at Indiana and he's going to coach in the bowl game. Wap Fillier, their best receiver is, is back and healthy and going to play. Uh, I just think this is set up really well for Tennessee to be reading the headlines a little bit, feeling good about the way they finished. But I, I think the team that's really hungry in this, in this game to me is going to be Indiana coming in this game and being playing Tennessee, an sec program that's perennially in the bowl games this is a big moment for Indiana. This is a big moment for this program. I think that uh, psychology season, Indiana is going to be the team that wants this more. I love these battles. Big what are we, Ten what is Homer this Barton over here. Whoa. One and a half. One and a half, Art. Both of our lock, our three-way lock fights are Barton taking a Big Ten team. He just loves the Big Ten. <laughs> I love to hear that. Uh, famous Idaho Potato Bowl out in Boise. We've got Nevada, Ohio. Ohio is an eight-point favorite over/under set at fifty-nine. Didn't Ohio like already play in a bowl game? I feel like I've seen. (laughs) I feel like I've already seen Nathan O'Rourke running up and down the field. Uh, Every 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 MAC team is Ohio in the bowl (laughs) games. Uh, They just go from site to site playing uh, playing different (laughs) games. Anybody got to play here? No, this, this game's, I have no idea. I kind of lean over, but, uh, not with enough confidence to lock it up. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think Nevada's defense is bad. Ohio's defense can be pretty bad too. So yeah, over is probably the best play to make in this game. If anybody's doing anything, Ohio's uh pretty good at, uh, moving that ball too. Good run game. Uh, mm-hmm. All right. Well, then that takes us to Saturday, uh, Saturday, January 4th. This is an 1130 a.m. Eastern time, 1030 local uh, kickoff from the home of TCU, Amon G. Carter Stadium in Fort Worth. So we are 1030 local time, Tulane and Southern Miss. Tulane favored by seven, over under 56 and a half. What do we like? I like Tulane minus seven. Uh, I just think that Tulane is the better team. I think Southern Miss has had a good season, but it's also benefited from being in a really bad conference USA this year. And just Tulane, some trends 
seven and one the last eight times it's been favored against the spread seven and three against the spread in its last 10 games overall. And since Willie Fritz took over the program, Tulane is 11 and six against the spread in non-conference games. And they've just been good against the spread under Fritz period going 27, 22 under Fritz and then Southern miss its last six trips to bowl games, one, four and one against the spread. So I like the wave here. I've, I, I love Willie Fritz. You know, I'm a big Tulane gang guy, so I, I'm I'm following. I'm sticking with the brand. I'm taking Tulane minus seven. I'm taking the under because of that 1030 start out there in Fort Worth at 56 and a half. I feel like uh, I feel like Southern Miss could potentially make this a little bit dangerous, and Tulane has uh, gotten explosive from time to time. But this is like a you know, you, you catch these games in, in college basketball. Uh, you know, you, you see those neutral early games. I'm just, I can't, I, ca- I can't favor uh, explosiveness, especially early on. So sleepy start under, give me the under 56 and a half. Dig it. Pass. And I'm assuming Barton definitely has a play on this game. <laughs> <laughs> I only have so much brain power bandwidth in this old noggin to, be able to dig into all these bowls. Uh, the group of five bowls are a tough task for me. Fun, fun fact. This is chips, what seventh lock of this week of this podcast. And it's the first time it's a standalone pick. Mm. You're either fighting or agreeing with somebody in your first <laughs> six picks. Well, I mean, it's not like we've got a wide spread. Oh, no, no, I know. It's, yeah. it's just one of the fun things about bowl season is there's so much agreement and fighting. Uh, all right, then wrapping things up, bringing it home. We got Louisiana as a 14-point favorite uh, again in the Lending Tree Bowl, Lad People Stadium, Mobile, Alabama. 56-and-a-half is your over-under. What do we like? Nothing. Nope. nope. <laughs> that is a big old... <laughs> Uh, if you want to take Miami plus 14 because it's the last bowl game and it's a double-digit dog in a bowl, I would recommend it. But... As I'm sitting here uh, competing for these lock wins, I don't <laughs> feel good enough about it against a very, very good Louisiana team. It was to for me to tell you that it is a lock that Miami will cover 14 is disrespectful to the Cajuns. Yeah, I, I can guarantee you I'm not locking anything up. But with this being the last bowl game before the title game, I can guarantee you I will have something on it by the time it kicks off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom's Twitter tip of the day will will have this game in it. Mm-hmm. That's a promise. Uh, all right. Well, let's review. So the Le card first for Tom, we're going under 54 in the sun bowl, Arizona state, Florida state, Utah minus seven going up against Texas, uh, Kansas state plus two and a half against Navy, the over 45 and a half in Kentucky, Virginia tech, Oregon plus three in the Rose bowl, Tennessee minus one and a half in the Gator bowl, the under 53 and a half in Auburn, Minnesota and Tulane minus seven going up against Southern miss Barton's card, Arizona state minus four in the sun bowl, Kentucky plus three in the belt bowl against Virginia tech, the under 52 and a half in Kansas state Navy, Alabama minus seven against Michigan, Wisconsin minus two and a half in the Rose bowl, Indiana plus one and a half in the Gator bowl, Baylor plus six going up against the Georgia Bulldogs and the over 54 and a half in Texas, Utah. My card. Yeah, it is all orange or red. Uh, Arizona State minus four. Then Utah minus seven. Navy minus two and a half going up against Kansas State. Alabama minus seven. 
Oregon plus three, Tennessee minus one and a half, and the under 56 and a half in Tulane Southern Miss. And so today we actually start to get results from our Bowl Locks Volume 2. Our Bowl Locks Volume 1 wrapped up last night. Barton leads early, 3-1 uh, and one record. Uh, I went 4-4, four and four, and Tom went 2-3. and three. So Well, I went 3-2, and two, but the refs caused me to go 2-3 in that right. Hawaii Bowl. It's Talk always, about a job. It's always the – that was uh, not fun. No, we got jobbed. Yeah. Just crooked, crooked Hawaii Bowl refs. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They were, why were the refs wearing lays, huh? 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 <laughs> uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow him at Tom Fennelli. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Welcome to the Nothing Personal with David Sampson podcast. Do me a favor and blink, please. Did you blink? That's how fast the Major League Baseball season went in 2020. The postseason is already upon us. Whether it's baseball news, you on NFL, college football, water polo, chess, movies, if there's a story, we'll have it covered every weekday, five days a week. Just subscribe and download on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, or wherever else you find your podcasts. No BS, no soft tosses, no hot takes. You know, it's always business. It's nothing personal.